this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, we've been talking about the blood of Jesus. We started last week, and we're going to go a little deeper this week. Go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 59. Isaiah 59. You know, um, Carolyn Petrus right here. Carolyn, raise your hand for me. You, Carolyn, just raise your hand up real high so they know who we're talking about. This is Carolyn. She's dear to me. She had a miracle happen to her, and we thought she was going to go home and be with Jesus, and just God healed her. But she said to me before the service, she said, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm fasting on Wednesdays because I believe this is so significant, teaching on the, the blood of Jesus. And so I think she was saying, I double-dog dare all of you to fast on Wednesdays. So I just encourage you to get a hold of that. But as you're turning to Isaiah 59, here the blood of Jesus is so important that we understand it. The only thing in a life that separates man from God is sin. That's the only thing. And a lot of times people will go ahead and sin regardless of what the Bible says. Now I want us to look at what the Bible says concerning sin, just to start out here. Isaiah 59, verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened or weak, that it cannot save. Nor is his ear heavy or dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, and remember iniquities are a type of sin, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. They've cut you off from God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue has muttered perversity. So when I look at this, God doesn't take pleasure in sin. Now note something there, I said, God doesn't take pleasure in sin. Not the sinner, God loves mankind, he just does not love sin. And so we see this here, since God does not like sin, actually God hates sin, He can't ignore it. He doesn't excuse it. And He does not tolerate it at all. And so I think I'm safe to say this tonight. Anytime that me and you openly or willfully live in sin, understand this, God won't bless it. God does not bless sin. And it's important that you hear this in church, okay? That we understand God's heart right here. And so when we talk about sin like this, sin has to be removed from our lives. So that's why we're going to look at a, a couple things of how the blood of Jesus will work in your life. Go with me back in the New Testament to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. As you're turning there, I'm just going to quote a verse for you. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. The pension of sin is death. And so he gives me a warning there. And, and every time I read that and see the wages of sin is death, it's as if the Lord is telling me, don't, don't play around with sin. Don't flirt with sin, okay? Because God does not approve of it. Romans chapter 3, and we're going to begin in, in verse 19. 
And just ask the Lord to help you here to, to have eyes of understanding to see this because some of this is very wordy here. And so we're going to do our best to break it down. Romans 3 verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it is those who are under the law. Now remember the law is what was talked about in the Old Testament. But when it comes to the law, every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So when we read this here, he's telling us that all the world, when it comes to sin, is we're guilty and we will be held accountable for it. Every one of us will be account, held accountable for the things we've done here. Now, in your life and my life, when someone accuses you of a wrongdoing, sometimes we'll deny it, sometimes we'll get over and become defensive, and we'll argue about it. But understand this, when we stand before God for our wrongdoings, there will be no arguing, and there will be no excuses. That I'm going to stand there and I'm going to have to tell the Lord the history of my life, okay? Keep reading. There's going to be some hope in this. It's going to turn out good, I promise you. Verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified or made righteous in his sake. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So right here when he, he talks about that no one will be justified or made righteous by the law. Remember the law had to do with my works, my abilities, what I did. And so he's telling me right there, none of us will be justified by our works, by what I do. But I can be justified. Keep reading. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law or separate from the law, is revealed being a witness or a test by the law and the prophets. So when he talks about this, the Lord said, listen, I'm going to help you in another area where you don't have to live by the law that way, that you can learn to conform to my will in another way. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ so he's telling me this way we learn to conform to his will isn't by my works or my deeds, but it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now once again, that takes a lot of pressure off of me to understand, you know what, I'm not going to be perfect. But Jesus was perfect. And so when you look here, he, he makes some comments in this that are really good. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Not works, but faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. So he's telling us about the genuine reliance we must have on Jesus. Now note what he said there. To all and for all. You know what all means? All. That means every one of us, when we have faith through Jesus Christ, we can live righteous in God's eyes. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. So we keep reading a little farther here. Verse 23. For all have sinned, and I want you to highlight that word. I don't need you to look around here, but if we looked around this room, every one of us in this room have sinned. For all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Period. Point blank. Every one of us. 
So when you read what was said right here in verse 23, in the court of law, every one of us are guilty, right? Every one of us has sinned. Even for ones of you who think you're perfect, you're not, okay? We've all sinned. But the issue that comes with human beings is we try to categorize or rank sin. And we talk about sin and say, well, that's just a little sin. But that one over here, that's a big sin. But we can't minimize sin or we can't overrate sin because sin in God's eyes is sin. Period. And so don't ever get the thought, well, what's the matter with a little sin? Just as long as it's ever now and then. I can't think in those ways. Verse 24. Now this is the the good news when it refers to sin. Being justified, declared righteous, freely, by God's grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now we've been justified, we've been declared righteous because of Jesus. And remember the word redemption, and I know these are big words at times. The word redemption means we were bought out or we were bought by a price. Jesus' blood is what redeems us. And so right here, he's given me and you an insight of how we're justified and how we're declared righteous, but also how we're redeemed. So in a court of law, anytime a judge looks at a person and he says over them, I declare you not guilty, all all the, the guilt is pushed away, it's removed, and there is no record of it. That's exactly what Father God does with me and you. He pops his holy gavel and he says, innocent. I forgive them of it all, I remove it of it all, and there is no record of it all. Some of you ought to, you ought to jumped up and did a toe touch on that one. I love stuff like that. I get excited about that because I was a good sinner. So we read this here, and I want you to look real close at verse 25 because this is going to tell me how all this takes place. Whom God set forth as a propitiation. Who God set forth as a propitiation. Now that's another one of them big words, and I said, let's ask the Lord to help us. The word propitiation here means mercy or God's appeasement of wrath. And so when we talk about this propitiation here that he brings up, this is the only saving solution to the fact of God's wrath against sin. This is the only thing that can take care of sin. Propitiation. Mercy and God's appeasement. How does that happen? Woo, get ready. By his blood through faith. By the blood of Jesus through faith. Now once again, I've got to understand some things right there. I receive the word of God, but I receive it by faith. Well, what is it by, by the blood through faith? What does that mean? That I'm going to have to get to a place in my life where I trust what the Lord said the blood would do for me. And I start believing it. Now when it says through faith, I want you to go back and think about this. We talked about this for weeks. What is faith? 
Well, faith is dependent on the Word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But how does faith kick in? I believe in my heart and I speak with my mouth. That's Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10 right there. That's how faith begins to work. So when we talk about the blood, I find out in the Word of God about how the blood pertains to my life. I begin to receive that in my heart and I start agreeing with it with my mouth. Now I want you to turn over to the book of Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. So just reading that right there, the blood of Jesus, it settles the sin issue. Point blank. That's what the blood of Jesus does for me and you. So we're going to Hebrews chapter 9. We were in Hebrews 9 last week, and we're going to add to it a little bit more. This whole chapter is incredible. I encourage you to read it, but I encourage you to read it in different translations. The Amplified is great. The New Living is great. The Message will help you understand it better because it is a little wordy. Hebrews 9, verse 23. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in heaven should be purified or cleansed with these. Now, when he talks about they should be cleansed with these, what he was talking about here was in the Old Testament, how were they cleansed? By the blood of animals. Okay? Keep reading. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Better sacrifices than with the blood of animals. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us or on behalf of us. So when Jesus strolls into Father God, He's like our attorney. He represents us. He comes in on our behalf. Remember, he takes our sin. Verse number 25. Not that he should offer himself often or again and again, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood of another. So we go back and we think about this right here, what he just said. In the Old Testament, the priest would offer the blood of animals once a year. Again and again and again and again and again and again. This was called the Day of Atonement. But when he talks about Jesus here, he says he's not going to have to do it again and again. Now, he gives us a little bit more insight. When we look at verse 25, not that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered the most holy place every year with the blood of another, he then would have to suffer offer, often or again and again since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So that tells me and you right there, Jesus did it once and for all. Now I said it this week and I'm going to sum that up for you again right here. Jesus was bought with a price because me and you, what we did, and he paid for it with a, with a sacrifice. And with it came a warranty that only Jesus could make. And so that warranty that Jesus did because of his blood, and I said this week, last week, it's not the same as 90 days as cash. It's not interest-free. It's forever. Understand, the blood of Jesus will work forever. 
and ever and ever and ever. So you know what that tells me? When you wake up to the morrow, there's a warranty on the blood. And when I wake up at Christmas, there's a warranty on the blood. There's always a warranty on the blood. And it says paid in full. Now to understand a little of this about what we talked about there in Romans 3.25, that it's the blood of Jesus through faith. Go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Now I'm going somewhere, just a couple pages over. And if you were to ever look at the book of Hebrews 11, you'll find out that the whole chapter is about faith. You read it and it'll say, by faith this happened. By faith, this one did that. Actually, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God, for God is and He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So once again, He tells us a lot here about faith. Now with that thought, I'm going to start in Hebrews 11, verse 23. And I'm going to highlight here a man named Moses. Now I'm going somewhere with this. It says, By faith, or it is by faith, Moses, when he was born, hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the apostles of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. So he said, you know what? I would rather live for God than have the temporary wealth and prestige that I could to be in the house of the Pharaoh. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. So this is talking about, you know what, you know what Moses' reward was he was looking at? He said, I would rather have an eternal reward than what I'm going to get right now here on earth. Keep reading. Verse 27, by faith Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured or kept on as seeing him by who is invisible. Now, this is where I want to get here. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Okay, when it talks about here, the, the keeping of the Passover, Moses got instruction or knowledge from God on how to apply the blood at the Passover. God told him, this is what you got to do, Moses. And I believe this is part that we've got to understand. So to really, really get tonight, what took place here, go back with me in the Old Testament to Exodus chapter number 12. Exodus chapter 12. Now, I'm going to use this analogy as you're going to, to Exodus 12. If you had a brand new car in your garage, but you didn't know how to drive it, you didn't know how to apply it, you didn't know how to, it wouldn't do you no good. You could have the latest iPad right now, but if you didn't know how to use it, it wouldn't do you no good. The greatest cell phone, you didn't know how to, to use it or apply it, it wouldn't do you no good. See, that's exactly with the Word of God also. That if I don't understand how to apply and use the Word of God, it's not going to do me any good. And this is the point we've got to get with, with even what took place with Moses, but what takes place in our life. So he tells him what he needs to do to get the Passover blood or the Passover lamb. He tells Moses here in Exodus 12, he said, you've got to find a male lamb without blemish 
So what you begin to see here, the very thing that God instructed Moses to do in the Old Testament, it parallels with the New Testament. A male lamb, his name was Jesus. Without blemish, it was Jesus. So we pick up here, Exodus chapter 12, verse number 7. And they, the believers, the Israelites, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. Now the reason they were to do this, this would be the proof of God's presence and God's protection in their life. So what they had to do is they took that lamb and they would sacrifice it and they would take some of the blood of the lamb and they would put it on the doorposts and on the lintels of their house. This was the instruction that God told Moses. He said, tell them to do this. This is how we apply the blood. Okay? So we look at that. And, and he, he's telling him here, your, your, your doorway must be marked by the blood of the Lamb. It must be. Now here's a thought for you. Just like them, they didn't have to. But if they wanted the protection and the presence of God in their life, this was the only way. There was no other way but the blood. It's the same with me and you. You don't have to. You don't have to apply the blood. You don't have to use it. But if you want the protection, the blessing, and, and the presence of God in your life, it's the same way. So we jump the same chapter to verse number 12. And the Lord speaking, he said, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So when you look here and he says, I will execute judgment, who was he going to execute judgment on? Every one of them that did not have the blood over their doorposts and their lintels. Every one of them. And the same thing is going to happen on the second coming of the Lord and Savior Jesus. That God is going to execute judgment. And you know what? The only thing is going to save me and you? The blood of the Lamb. It's the only thing. Verse 13. Now the blood shall be a sign. Now what I want you to get here in this verse. Look at all the you's in here. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so right here, the blood of the Lamb was symbolic of the blood of Jesus. And what did the blood? It brings salvation. It brings the remission of sin. But, but note right here, God wasn't looking where you lived. He wasn't concerned about where you work. He wasn't concerned about how many degrees you have or what your income was. He wasn't concerned about what type of car you drove. He didn't care if you wore Oakley sunglasses. He didn't care if you had a Cole Hawn purse. He didn't care if you wore Nike. None of that mattered. 
The only thing that matters was, was the blood over your house. Now when you see that, and you can get an image of this about the blood of the Lamb, understand this, that every time anyone would go in and out of that doorway, you know what they were saying? We come under the blood. We surrender to the blood. We yield to the blood. Now in the Old Testament here, this was a physical act. They had to literally do that. But one more thing I want to point out in the Old Testament. They still had to do it by faith. Why? They had no guarantees except for what Father God had instructed Moses. So when they're putting that blood on their doorposts and their little... You're talking about an act of faith. It was a huge act of faith, but they still had to go ahead and step out and do that. And so when I think about this in my life, in your life, how do I appropriate the blood of Jesus in my life by faith right now? It goes back to what I said earlier in Romans 10. I start believing in my heart the power of the blood of Jesus. And I start talking about the blood of Jesus. And I pray about the blood of Jesus. I pray the blood over me. And I begin to sing songs about the blood of Jesus. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. Oh, the precious blood of the Lamb. And as I begin to sing about it and I begin to talk about it, something begins to rise up on the inside of me. And there becomes a faith when I say, man, I come under the blood. I speak the blood. I speak the blood. I speak the blood. And I believe it's important that me and you learn to start coming underneath the blood of the Lamb. Is it going to take faith? Yeah. That's part of I go back to the Scripture. Now, I'm going to jump ahead a couple weeks, and I'm going to throw this verse out for you right now. Excuse me. Revelations 12, 11 says, And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. You know what that tells me right there? When I start coming underneath the blood of Jesus... There's a power that comes with the blood that says, overcome, overcome. And I don't care what you're going through in life right now. I'm going to tell you, the blood says overcome. The blood of Jesus literally marks me and you as an overcomer. So I go back and I start thinking, man, if they came under the blood, what about me and you? That I speak the blood over my life. Thank you, Father God, the blood cleanses me from all unrighteousness right now. I'll tell you, one of the greatest things you can do every day is start saying, Father God, I speak the blood of Jesus over my mind, my thoughts, my heart. I speak the blood over my tongue today. I speak the blood of Jesus over my spirit, my soul, my body. I speak the blood over my spouse. I speak the blood over my children. I speak the blood over my house. And you know what? People may say you're crazy, but I look in that passage and just as Moses told them, it's by the blood through faith. It's the same with me and you. But I understand, okay, this is what Jesus died for me. And so when you have an issue in your life, don't magnify the issue. Start magnifying the blood. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blood of Jesus today. Thank you for the blood. You know, when I go into a hotel room, One of the first things I do in there is I speak the blood. You know why? You don't know what took place in that room the night before or the week before. So, man, I'm going to speak the blood. I speak the blood. I speak the blood. I speak the blood. And there's power in the blood. 
But it's important that me and you learn how to appropriate the blood of Jesus in our lives. And it's, to me, it's that simple. Woo, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. I'm going to tell you a story that happened to me just a couple of years ago. I was on vacation. And there was a situation I was in. And there was this young man who was spray painted as a gold angel. He was spray painted all gold. His hair, everything. His fake wings and everything. And so I'm waiting for Shelly. She's doing some things at a shop. And so I start watching this guy. And you know what I see? I see people coming up to him and taking pictures with him. Tourists. And they'd stand there and he'd take pictures. Well, it started intriguing me. And so I started watching him. And man, I started looking. So I walked around the back and I started looking just like this. And I was checking out. And I got a yuck in the inside of me. I realized something's not right here. Now, this is the Jesus truth right here. He would levitate. He'd come off the ground. I thought, this is interesting. And I would watch after people would leave. He would get really, really focused, and he would say stuff. But I could never hear him. And then another person, Jesus, he would come off the ground about that high. So I started speaking the blood of Jesus. I said, oh, the blood of Jesus, Lord, for your blood. And the next person that came near him, it was like every time I'd speak the blood, it would break his focus. He would do this, this facial expression would change and it'd change and it'd change. And finally, he started looking around. And he knew something was going on. He knew something. And he looked and he made eye contact with me. And you know what I did? I sat there like, it's me, buddy. I know the power of the blood of Jesus. And I wasn't, do- guys, I wasn't doing it to dog him. I promise you that. I just, and you understand this, that greater is he that's in thee than he that's in the world. And you know what? I'm not going to sit there and I'm not going to yield to that junk. And so he finally picked up all his stuff and he marched away and he got away from me. So later on that day, we were walking by, and I saw him, and Shelly said, what do you want to do the rest of the afternoon? I said, I think I want to go torment that angel again. And she looked, I was just kidding. I didn't mean that. But you know what I saw right there? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. One more story, and I'll let you go. Ooh, we gotta, i got to baptize people here real quick. There was a group of, of demonic witches and stuff, and they were having a big thing, and there was a witch doctor. And I'm telling you, they said he began to, to curse and do things and bind things. You ought to heard all the things he was doing. And they said all of a sudden, the same situation, his, his grip on what he was doing started to get broken. And he said before long, all the people that were around him, they began to disperse one right after another. And before long, this, this person of light was coming through toward him. And this witch doctor, he, he starts losing all his power. And they said, the person that was coming toward him was a little old lady who had been at a prayer meeting that night. And on her way home, she was singing about the blood of Jesus, and it stopped him. Now, you can think I'm crazy, but you know what? I believe in the blood. I believe in the blood. I encourage... Speak the blood over your children in faith. Lay hands on their pillow in the name of Jesus. I speak the blood over. Now watch what God will begin to do. 
But I encourage, start getting a hold of the blood. Now listen, next week, same bad time, same bad channel. You don't want to miss. I'm telling you, we're going to keep adding on this, and we're going to get so full of the power of the blood where you don't want, man, it just jump out of you. Jump out of you. You know what? When you get in a situation where, where it's something just at the spur of the moment happens, you'll find out what's in you. A lot of times when something happens at the spur of the moment, I'll say the blood of Jesus. I'll say the name of Jesus. I'll speak it just a minute. The blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. Ooh, I come under the blood. I come under the blood. How many of you have ever gone into a place, and man, it's eerie. You've gone in something, man, you can tell there's a demonic presence. I'm telling you, I'll start speaking the blood, speaking the blood. Stand up before the baptismal people fire me. Just raise our hands to heaven here. Lord Jesus, we honor you here tonight. Ooh, we're grateful, we're grateful for the blood that justifies us. It's redeemed us. And we thank you right now. And as we stand here tonight, we come under the blood. And I encourage you to say that, Lord, I could come under your blood right now. And I thank you that the blood is working on my life. It's cleansing me. And I thank you the blood is working in my home, in my job, in my kids. And, Lord, I surrender that above. We're honored to come under your blood. We yield to the blood. And we thank you that, once again, it's justified us. And, Lord, I pray your blessings over all the saints right here. And in the name of you, we speak the blood right now. Father God, by faith, we welcome that and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.